Jackson 6 always. That's, that's for the culture. Welcome, everyone. This is the first episode of the Bucks and Six podcast. I am your host, DJ DeHoya. First of all, just want to thank you to my boy, Brian Sundays, for the intro and outro beat. His at is at Sundays on Instagram, as well as to his sister, who developed our beautiful logo. Her Instagram is at JulesDoes. You're probably wondering, what's this podcast going to be about? Is this just going to be another Bucks, 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 Bucks thing? There is going to be a bit of that because those are my boys. But overall, I just want to develop my love for the game of basketball because I don't really have a deep, long history with it. Either way, the name. So, the Bucks obviously comes from, that's the team I cheer for, your 2021 NBA champions, the Milwaukee Bucks. And the Six, I think, I've sort of co-opted to be a part of my identity as a Canadian. The Six is obviously something commonly used for Toronto. I think with the magnitude that Toronto as the basketball team represents for Canada as a whole, I think it's a nice fit. In regards to the overall objectives of each episode and the podcast themselves, I think the main things I want to get across is that I want to be a basketball fan first. I want to provide as objective an experience as possible. However, obviously because of the name, there will be a little bit of subjectivity in there. And I want to cover the NBA as a whole, but obviously with a slight emphasis on the Bucks. So let's get into it. So, I want to start off every episode with a take of the day. This one's pretty, pretty close to my heart. Mainly because it's about the Milwaukee Bucks. Whoa, a Milwaukee Bucks take on a Bucks and Six podcast? Holy! So... The very first Bucks and Six podcast take of the day is Giannis will win his third MVP award this season, solidifying him as the greatest European NBA player ever. I know there's Dirk. I love Dirk. Literally took down one of the very first ideas of the super team in the Miami Heat. However, three MVPs, one championship multiple All-Stars, multiple All-NBA selections, and a Defensive Player of the Year. Hey, I love them both. However, if I'm looking at it from an award standpoint, I think Giannis definitely has that edge on him. But I think Dirk is just such a prominent figure in not only the Dallas Mavericks history, but NBA history as a whole because he's one of those players that, what is it, 21 seasons on one team? That's crazy. Either way, I still love them both, but Giannis is winning his third MVP this season, baby. Guaranteed! As the season progresses, we'll definitely take a look back on these takes, see how they're progressing, if they're on the track to being right, or if they're completely missing the point. But either way, let's take a slight tangent. Because Giannis is my favorite player in the NBA now, we're going to take a look back at the 2013 draft, because I think it's one of the best drafts in recent memory. First of all, though, I think regardless of however many people make the Hall of Fame or even just an NBA roster, the 2013 draft will always be, will always have that asterisk next to it because of Anthony Bennett as the first pick. <laughs> However, let's go through some of the notable players. So top tier, you obviously got my boy Giannis Antetokounmpo, drafted with the 15th pick, two-time MVP, one-time Defensive Player of the Year, multiple All-Stars, multiple All-NBA selections, and the 2021 NBA Champion and Finals MVP. Crazy to think that he's only 26. 
The second pick, you had Oladipo, multiple all-star selections, really crazy on the clamps. But, you know, going through a little bit of a rough patch with his injuries in recent history. We got CJ McCollum at the 10th pick. Man, I know everyone's calling for CJ's head, but I think we tend to overlook the fact that he was on his way to being an all-star this season. At the 27th pick, we had Rudy Gobert, multiple-time all-star, three-time defensive player of the year. Got exposed in the second round this year, but I think the way his career is going, unless he matches Tony Parker's rings, I think he'll always be considered the number two player coming out of France, but that's nothing to, that's nothing to be ashamed of, especially considering how large France is. Now, up next, we have the solid guys. You know, these guys, these guys aren't going to be your first options, but they're guys that you need if you want to compete in the league. Got Cody Zeller, pretty nice big man. Nerlens Noel, defensive stopper. KCP, you know, very streaky, but when Kentavacious Caldwell Pope shooting that thing, he's shooting that thing. Mason Plumley played for Team USA in the World Cup. Tony Snell, the greatest shooter of all time. 50, 57, and 100. We got Kelly Olynyk, Canada's main man. Michael Carter-Williams. Definitely had some inflated stats, but I think he's having a nice resurgence as a backup point guard for the Orlando Magic. However, I don't see how much of a future he's going to have there considering they got quite the jam there already. Got Steven Adams. Definitely, in my opinion, is overpaid, but super solid big man. And he just seems like, seems like a nice guy to be around. We got Dennis Schroeder. Man bet on himself and made $5 million dollars. Respect. Now, all jokes aside, I think he's going to have a really good opportunity in Boston to sort of prove to the league that uh, he deserves his money. You know, I will never I will never shame a man for betting on himself in the hopes of better economic opportunities. But this was a case where, unfortunately, you know, he fell a little short, but that's OK. Andre Roberson, dude could not shoot the ball worth a shit. However, if you needed a stop, that was your guy. Last but not least, we got Tim Hardaway Jr. with the 24th pick. My favorite player going into this draft prior to being a Bucks fan. Man is super nice at shooting the ball and just played his way into a nice $72 million contract. Now, a couple of the, I guess I'll call them bias picks. But these were guys that I think could have been better if they were given an opportunity. Or just, you know, flat out didn't pan out. First up, Trey Burke, the ninth overall pick. I never followed him like that, but I always thought of him as like a hooper. I think that mainly stemmed from me playing with him in 2K because pretty gaudy in some of them. Otto Porter, a 40% shooter, just can't stay healthy. However, I'm super excited to see him on the Warriors. I think he'll have a really nice opportunity for a resurgence there. So that's going to be my 2013 draft recollection. I know there are definitely some guys... I maybe could have talked about more, but alas, those are these are the people that I saw as these are the guys that when I think back to this draft, I'm gonna be like, whoa, they came out of that draft? Very nice. Okay, so today's main topic is gonna be very uh very interesting in my opinion. It's gonna be my journey through basketball. And I say interesting because it is one that is very unconventional, I would say. So I started playing basketball around elementary school. However, I found myself more interested in hockey, believe it or not. 
prior to even following the NBA, I was a super, super big hockey fan. My birthday is August 7th, and that's the same birthday as Sidney Crosby. So I was always like, yo, man, I'm related to like the LeBron James of hockey. Whoa. But <laughs> I've definitely, I still somewhat follow it. However, I prefer watching basketball now. I started playing basketball in the Steve Nash League, which is one of those sort of youth basketball programs. But I was never really good at ball, to be honest. And I think that led to how I chose dance over further pursuing ball. But the first time I really started following basketball closely was, I want to say, 2012. But before I get into the beginnings of my NBA fandom, I think it's worth mentioning that I haven't had cable since maybe kindergarten. So I've lived more than half my life not having cable. So following sports was very, very hard. And the only times I really had a chance to watch the games live was uh, over at my grandparents' house. Because obviously there's Reddit streams and stuff like that. But those are always behind. So it's not optimal for keeping up at the same time as the game's going on. Because you might spoil it for yourself. But the first time I really started following basketball closely was, I want to say, 2012. Man, Indiana Pacers Paul George was my guy. Seeing him go toe-to-toe with Miami. Obviously he had some players, but... He didn't have a Dwayne Wade or a Chris Bosh in comparison to LeBron. But Paul George was giving Miami the business, man. Game 7, super heartbreaking, but you couldn't deny that Paul George was destined to be in that upper echelon of NBA players. So, my love for the Bucks was funny at first, though, because I stopped following Indiana once Paul George left for Oklahoma. I don't know why. I just did. Flashback to the 2013 draft. The main person I was sort of wondering where they would go was actually Tim Hardaway Jr. I was watching uh, a bit of the NCAA tournament, probably at some family thing or whatever, and I saw that he was hooping. I just became fascinated with where he was going to go, especially the main thing for that was how watching old 2K videos, I knew who Tim Hardaway Sr. was, but Tim Hardaway Jr., was the first son that I directly knew about in terms of the NBA. Obviously, Tim Hardaway Jr. would go 24th to the Knicks. Major steal in my opinion. However, I do remember watching uh, David Stern call Giannis his name and thinking, whoa, that is the longest name I have ever heard. And I was instantly intrigued. So prior to following Milwaukee, I was definitely keeping a close eye on Giannis and seeing what he was doing. After Paul George dipped Indiana for Oklahoma City, I think that's when I really started to follow the Bucks. I saw Giannis constantly growing. Playing him at point guard was crazy, but playing Giannis at point guard really has allowed him to develop his passing vision as well as multiple guard skills that you don't see in a big man, especially someone of his size. And overall... It was just super inspiring to watch. I think that stems from the fact that I knew something special was brewing, especially because this was a homegrown team. I think homegrown teams are something that are so special because they're such a super rare thing today with obviously the emergence of super teams and being able to 
request trades to go play with your boys and stuff like that. Because prior to Milwaukee really succeeding, it was obviously Golden State was sort of the blueprint for homegrown talent. But either way, shit, the Bucks did it, baby. Wasn't it fully homegrown, but a lot of their cores obviously was with them from the jump. So prior to this year, the Bucks winning the championship, I thought the playoffs were cool, but I try to go into it without expectations as best as I can. But man, the 2019 Eastern Conference Finals, that shit stung bad, man. That's because I got all the chirps from my dance teammates because a lot of them were Raptors fans. A lot of them were only following for the finals, but that's okay. Because I can't lie, I was chatting a lot of shit when we went up 2-0. And man, I was like, whew, Bucks are going, yo, fuck the Raptors! But <laughs> However, I was obviously wrong. And obviously the Raptors would go on to win the chip. But man, I wasn't sad that the Raptors won. Because I think it was super amazing for Canadian basketball to win a championship. We look at all these major sport leagues and I think the Raptors are the first ones to win it since probably the last time the Montreal Canadiens won the cup. <laughs> but they choked it this year too. <laughs> but anyways, the 2019 Eastern Conference Finals, man, that was a really good series, but Giannis definitely got exposed. Obviously that's when the wall really started to become a thing that teams used to slow him down. And Giannis just wasn't ready. Not only that, but I think that whole Bucks team wasn't really tailored to fight something like that or to go against a wall defense like that. Because Eric Bledsoe's a bum. Chris Middleton, I think at that time, was still... People weren't giving him his respect, myself included. Because I really only went off the eye test and seeing that, man, he's not hitting his shots. Why are we paying this guy max money? But we'll get into it later. I love you, Chris Middleton. Anyways, 2020 seems super hopeful. They came in as a first seed. Giannis was coming off of MVP and DPOY. So I was like, yo, this is the year. Giannis got everything but the chip. Time to complete the Trinity, baby. But... Seeing the Miami Heat completely destroy, decimate, conquer, and demolish the Milwaukee Bucks. That man, that really hurt my soul. But that's why 2020-2021, this season was different. I think the major tagline with the Milwaukee Bucks was, you know, we're the hunters. We're not the hunted this time. Let's go get that. Let's go get it. That was a really good way of explaining the course of their season because obviously past few years, Milwaukee Bucks have been that team that's, we know they can do great things. It's just a matter of, are they going to do it? However, this season was super, super different. No Eric Bledsoe. We traded Eric Bledsoe to get Drew Holiday. In my opinion, the best defender at the guard position. And overall, this all culminated in the greatest sports moment in my life. However, even better was the fact that the 2021 NBA Finals, a lot of like my really, really close friends started to get into ball. 
But man, seeing Giannis and the Milwaukee Bucks organization as a whole lift that trophy, oh, that was so special, man. Woo! Definitely a moment I think I will forever cherish and be one of the highlights of my life until maybe I have kids or something like that. But either way, <laughs> that chip, I think, is one of the most special ones in recent memory, especially considering how Giannis was that young guy that came into this league and nobody really nobody really gave him a second look. No one was really game planning for Giannis when he was young, like the way they do, you know, a LeBron James or a Kevin Durant. Giannis really had to, you know, get it out the mud. You've seen how skinny he was when he entered and now he's like Hulk. Crazy. But this season I am super, super excited. I think next episode, we might go over a preview of the season, see how they might stack up. Because, despite having no money, I think Milwaukee really had one of the best free agencies this season. Not because they didn't bring in any like star players, but they brought in those sort of background guys that you need. The guys that, when Giannis is tired, when Chris is tired, when Drew is tired, or they're in foul trouble, these guys, they're not in that same lane as them. However... There are those types of guys that you need in situations like that. There are those types of guys that teams aren't really game planning for to have a 20-point night, then they have a 20-point night. I'm not saying we're going to repeat. However, the future looks bright and the marathon continues. But that'll be a discussion for next time. Thank you for tuning in into the first episode of the Bucks and Six podcast. I'm super excited for the beginnings of this creative outlet. I hope you'll be around for the ride. Regardless, I hope you have a wonderful day. More life, more blessings. But remember, Bucks and Six always!